Hey everybody, welcome to the Ascent Church Podcast. We want to come alongside you, so click subscribe to never miss life-changing and encouraging content that we release every single week. Our heart is to tell others about the life-changing truth of the gospel. I want to challenge you. Would you share this with one friend who might need some encouragement? And we love it when you spread the word by sharing on social media and letting us know where you're listening from. Enjoy today's message. Send church, let me hear you one more time. Somebody lift up a shout. That's it. Y'all, it's a big day. I don't know if you heard or not, but today is Baptism Sunday, everybody. It's a day to celebrate. Maybe you don't know what baptism is. Maybe you've never heard of that or seen it before. Maybe you got some theological questions. That's great, and that's what we're here for. But I, what I want you to know is today is about the fact that our God can take dead things and make them alive once more. That's what it's all about. If I were to summarize it even simpler about what today means or what it's all about, it's this. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, you need to know this, that there is hope for you. God has not abandoned us. He's not abandoned you. There is hope. And today's a picture of joy and celebration and new life. And we're going to celebrate all day long. Really what I want to do today in this text is I just want to give you a picture of who Jesus is, who he is and what he does. And this is Luke 8, 22. This is an early eyewitness account of Jesus's life, teaching, death, and resurrection. It says, one day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was Verse 25, this is our question for the day. Where is your faith? He asked them. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today. Remind us that there is hope because you are alive. You came, you bore our sins, you died, you are risen, and you sit on the throne. Father, we love you. We ask that today you're glorified here in this place. We thank you for new life. We thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. St. Church, you may go ahead and get cozy. You may go ahead and have a seat. One more time, is anyone thankful to be here today? Thankful to be alive? Thankful for Baptism Sunday? We're thankful for that. My name is Thomas Lane. Most of you call me T Lane or Pastor T. Welcome today to Ascent Church. Uh, I want to take a second and welcome everyone who's new in the house and online, especially our military community. Would you give it up for everyone who's new? Thank you. One more time for our friends who are deployed. Would you give it up for them? Say hello to them. Thank you. Thank you. If you are new around here, maybe you're just visiting, we want to encourage you and make it easy to stay connected. 
Two quick things. We would love it if you would open YouTube or the podcast app that you prefer. Find us and hit subscribe. We want to make it easy to be encouraged all week long. And also, let's connect on social media. We got announcements, updates, encouragement all week long. Instagram and Facebook. Find us at Ascent Church VA. And um, it's an honor to hang out with you, not just now, but all week long. One more time, Luke 8, 22. We've got lots to do today, so we got to move fast. Are y'all okay with that? Because I don't know if you heard, we got some baptism today. All right? Last I checked, 32 people are going public with their faith through the waters of baptism. And they're sitting right here. Would you encourage them? Because they're scared. They're not. Now, I don't want to say they're all scared, but being in the front's a little intimidating. Let, let's go. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. It's a little strange. Touch on that. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. This body of water is about seven by nine miles long. This is the area about seven miles by nine miles. And, and it's actually 700 feet or so below sea level. It's hot, humid. And about... Not so far away, there's Mount Hermon, which is 10,000 feet above sea level. That's a big difference. And sometimes cold air from the mountains will come down on the hot air on the sea, and a violent storm would erupt. Why am I telling you about this? Some of you are like, hey, that's a cool like, fact, I guess, but what does this have to do with me? What, wh- why do I care? The reality is this. There are certain seasons of life in which violent storms are going to erupt. They're just going to happen. Some of you are facing a deployment. That's prime for a violent storm to erupt. Some of you are married. Marriage is hard. Communication is hard. Some of you have kids. Some of you are in a new season of life, a transitional time. These are all times in which a violent storm could erupt. Not if, but when. Luke 8, 24, it says, The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we gonna die. Just seeing if you're paying attention. They said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Now, this series we're in is called Divine Questions. And we have a lot of questions for God. That's true. That's fair. These are questions that God has for us. And it's fascinating that Jesus is always asking us questions. And an all-knowing, omnipotent, omniscient God does not ask questions to gain information. He asks us questions for us to gain information. He says this. He says, where is your faith? He asked his disciples. Now, God's plan for humanity is this concept of shalom. Somebody say peace. Now, that's what shalom means. And if you were to translate it, you might say, oh, oh, I've heard of that. That means peace. But it's not like peace, man. It's like wholeness. This idea that God creates us, we're like this tapestry, and we're supposed to be woven together of emotional health and physical health and spiritual health and relational health. And the reality is we've all turned from God, and that's unraveling. God did not create a world with death. He did not create a world where out of the blue folks are at the risk of drowning. But we've turned from him and these are the consequences. These folks knew boats. A lot of them were fishermen. They fished here. They knew this spot. What is so different about this situation? Now we live by the water and this hopefully is most of us in the room. Who's been on a boat? Come on. Okay. All right, put your hands down, okay? Just see if you're paying, see if you're with me. Who's been on a boat with someone who didn't know how to drive the boat? Anybody? Okay, you got some good stories. You got some good stories. Now, you've been on a boat and you get like, you like, finally you're out there and you're like, oh gosh. 
like real cool, you try to be like, how many life jackets are on this vessel? Like you don't want to be that guy, but deep down you're, you're starting to get a little nervous. This is not that situation. They knew the water. They knew this body of water. Jesus is with them. What's going on? It's interesting, Jesus' question. We're going to spend some time talking about this. Where is your faith? Because if I were to say what's faith, a lot of you would say it's belief. And you heard Jesus say, well, do you believe in God or not? And a lot of you would say, I believe in God. I believe in him a lot. I believe in him a little. I'm not sure if I believe. That's not what faith means. Faith does not mean just belief. It's a Greek word, pistis, and it means trust. So Jesus Christ is not really saying, where's your belief? He's saying, where is your trust? And it's interesting to think, if, if the disciples were here to ask him, what were you trusting in? What were you trusting in when you got on the boat? Were you trusting in it? Well, it looks clear. Were you trusting in the fact that, well, God's with me. Nothing bad could happen, right? Were you trusting in the fact of, I've done this before. I got this. I've been in this situation. It's an interesting way of thinking about it, and we have to spend some time here. Because, friends, to understand the nature of fear and anxiety, we must understand the nature of sin. Now, a lot of us grow up hearing that basically what sin is sin is, is doing bad things. And you might look at your kids and they're acting crazy and you're saying, stop doing that. Stop doing that. You may look in the mirror and say, stop doing that. Stop acting like that. Anyone, anyone grow up with some good old-fashioned church guilt? You still got a little bit of it, right? It's funny. I'll be out in public and people will see me and they'll be like, I'm in the grocery store, Jim. I think people think I'm going to come up to him and be like, here's how you let God down this week. Okay? No, I don't know where you got that from. Hopefully it's not me. I don't know where that came from. But a lot of us grew up with this guilt because that's, that's all you thought sin was, doing bad things. And maybe that's how you parent. Maybe that's how you look in the mirror. And the more you read scripture and you see God's holiness, and the more that you just like pound yourself down, it's not going to change anything. We have to stop seeing sin just as doing bad things, although it is. We must see sin as idolatry. Idolatry. What's idolatry? It's taking good things and making them ultimate things. The thing that's probably going to destroy your life is not probably going to be some terrible, terrible thing. It's probably going to be a good thing that you've elevated to a place, you put it on a throne to which it does not belong. And that's the danger of it. Because you're like, oh, it's innocent. It's just my career. It's just my kids' well-being. It's just my, my social media life. It's, it's, it's just this hobby. What's the big deal? And that's the danger. I hope that at some point in your life you read the Old Testament. I hope you do. And there's a temptation from some preachers I've even heard, but there's some temptation from us, and uh, uh, it's fair. You read it, and it talks a lot about idolatry. God's people are always bowing down to a golden calf or bowing down to an idol, and you're like, yo, this doesn't relate to me. I've never bowed down to a golden calf. I've never made a little, a little I don't have this like, secret room in my house, and, and I go to it every once in a while when nobody's looking. And I've got this little wooden statue of the agriculture god, and I bow to it. Or I've made, a, I've made my team mascot, and I go, and I bow to it, and I ask, I ask that he gives me favor. You're like, can't we just get rid of all this? Idolatry, really? We're an advanced civilization. We are modern. We're enlightened. But friends, if we can be honest, if we can be a little humble, I cannot think of a better picture of the condition of the human heart than idolatry. Than looking at God and saying, I don't need you, or saying, you know, you're not enough. I can do this. I can take matters into my own hands. We can't just look at why we do things. We, we can't just look and say, well, I'm, I'm not generous. I got to be more generous. We can't look and say, well, I got a temper. Stop having a temper. We can't look at our kids going crazy and just say, stop going crazy. We got to look at the under the surface. Why are you sleeping around? Why do you got to drink that drink? Why do you got to smoke that stuff? 
Why do you got to spend so much money at Target? The husband's paid me for that one. The husband's got together. Why? Why, 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 do we, why do we say, not to say being single's good, but why is it like ruining things? I just need a boyfriend. I just need a girlfriend. What's underneath the surface? When Jesus Christ asked them, where is your faith? He basically was asking them, where is your trust? Where's your trust? Which implies two things. One, it implies it's not in him. And two, it implies that it's something, it's in somewhere. And what we each must do with this question is figure out what am I trusting in? Listen, when they were sinking, Jesus asked them, what are you trusting in? And when you were sinking, ask yourself, where is my trust? What am I trusting in? Here's how you know what an idol is. And I have them, you have them, we all have them. What's that thing where you say, I'll be okay if... I can rest if. I can have peace if. Without it, I'm, I'm nothing. Yeah, God loves me. God, God cares about me. Yeah, shut up, whatever. I don't care about that. But I really want is this. And we treat God as a means to an end to get what our heart is really after, and that's an idol. This sounds like my prayer life when they're freaking out. Master, master, don't you care? We're going to drown. That's how we treat it. Some of, that, some of us, that's how we pray to God about our relationships. God, don't you care? I'm going to die unless you give me a, a, unless I'm married soon. God, don't you care? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to survive unless you elevate my career. We treat God as a means to an end to get what our heart is really after, and that thing is an idol. Now, my middle son, you, uh, some of you know the story. Some of, some of us we haven't met. I have three kids, a beautiful wife. She's right here. Would you give it up for her? I had to. And um, what was I talking about? She distracted me <laughs> with her beauty. What am I talking about? Dempsey. Thank you, Karen. I was like, whoa. Um, Dempsey. Yep, I have three kids. And my middle son, his name is Dempsey. He's an amazing dude. They're all, they're all great. But he, he, um, he has asthma. He has asthma. And he has some like, lung stuff. And my idols, I would say, if I could narrow it down to the top two, would be control and my family. And deep down, I think if my family's good, I'm good. Right? And not to say you should, I'm not saying you shouldn't care about your family, but I have, if I can be honest, I probably care more about that than I care about how God sees me. I'm, I'm, I'm praying like, damn God, don't you care about my family? Don't, don't you care about all this? My other idols control. I want to be in control. I want to know things are exactly where they need to be. And last year, he got pneumonia three different times. And we couldn't help but say, now we haven't been doing this too long, but my oldest, my youngest, this doesn't happen to them. So finally, you push the doctor, you push the doctor, you push the doctor. Finally, they've said, we'll do some blood work. And my mind goes crazy. I'm like, why don't you do blood work? Why do you need blood work? Why do you need four vials of blood? Is one not enough? And your mind goes crazy. And he's supposed to get blood work, but oh, he, was, he had a little sniffle. We had to wait. We had to wait two more weeks to do the blood work. And finally, we do the blood work. And I'm like, okay, we did the blood work. Can you just tell me what's going on? Oh, it takes a few weeks to process. And every time my phone rings, I'm rushing home, going through the mailbox. We have a letter. We have an update. Finally, one day we get a letter from the doctor. And it says, it says he, he's, he's clear. But then I notice from the bottom, it says results one of four. I'm like, i got to wait for three more of these. And for weeks, every phone call, every letter, I'm on edge. Because sometimes, y'all, he wakes up in the middle of the night, he can't breathe. And that's really hard for me. 
He has a little inhaler and we give him a puff. It sounds inappropriate. I'm like, Dempsey, do you need a puff puff? And I said, don't go to school telling, telling daddy gave you a puff puff, okay? <laughs> Could you imagine me in kindergarten? I was stressed last night. Daddy, daddy gave me something to puff on. <laughs> puff, puff, pass. Don't talk like that, man. Don't say that. Don't say that, son. Don't say that. Now, I'm not saying that you should be happy if your kids are struggling, but I caught myself thinking, I will finally have peace once we know. It's a difference. Some of you said, I, I, I will finally have peace once I'm married. I'll finally have peace once, once my income gets to a certain level. That's how you know it's an idol. I'm not saying you shouldn't care about your career. You should. I'm not saying you don't care about your family. You should. These are good things. But do not make them an ultimate thing. Here's some examples as to what yours might be. I only have worth. I can only rest. I'm okay if. I can have peace if. Maybe it's this. My children and or my parents are happy and happy with me. That's family idolatry. This is all from the Gospel Coalition, by the way. I'm happy. I'll be okay if Mr. and Mrs. Wright is in love with me. That's relationship idolatry. Remember, these are good things. We make in ultimate things. I can have peace if I can get mastery over my life in this area. That's control idolatry. That's the control freaks, anxiety people just like me. That's mine too. I can have peace if I'm highly productive and getting a lot of work done. That's work idolatry. I'll be okay. I'll, I'll have worth and value if I'm being recognized for my accomplishments and excelling in my work. That's achievement idolatry. I'm okay if I have a certain level of wealth, financial freedom, and nice possessions. That's materialism idolatry. This last one's rough. I will be happy when Dallas actually wins a playoff game. <laughs> because this is our year, I heard. <laughs> I got y'all so, so good. Y'all are like... What's my idol? Y'all were leaning in, man. Y'all were silent. I gotcha. Someone said to me the other way, I haven't had a Cowboys joke in a while. I said, it's coming. <laughs> now, we're having fun, but my hope is at least one of those hit you and you were like, that's mine. Mine's family, mine's control. What's yours? Don't say it. What's yours? If you want to remove it, you first must identify it. What are you trusting in? What's that thing making you cry out to God? I'm drowning. Help! Don't you care? Don't you see I'm drowning? Don't you see? This is the most important. Don't you see? What is it? Key one. We have to remove our idols. We've got to attack them. I was listening to the Born Primitive podcast the other day, and they were talking to the fittest American woman, Ariel Lowen. Third place in the CrossFit Games, three times participant. The fittest mom. And some of you guys in the house, you're like, I could take her. No. Let me just make this clear, not even close. She is a legend. She is an absolute beast. And they're, they're talking to her. She would destroy all of us. She's, they're talking to her. They're saying, hey, basically, what's the key to your success? They said, quote, any other major adjustments to have such a big jump? In other words, how are you doing so good? You got a kid now, you're killing it. What's going on? She said this, I think my mindset changed a lot. My mindset before child, before she had a kid, was very selfish. She continues, coming back after the games, I had a new identity of being rooted in Christ, in my family and my daughter. I think CrossFit was just a tree branch off to the side. It wasn't my core identity anymore to where if it flourished, great. My tree was still strong, but if it didn't flourish, it's just a little flower on my tree. No big deal. So it took off the pressure. 
That's it. Some of you are hearing me saying, I'm passionate about CrossFit, so I guess God's telling me I can't do CrossFit. You know, I'm, I'm passionate about my kids, but I guess it's goodbye. I'm passionate about my job. I guess I have to quit. No, no, no. Did you see what she said? She realized like the, the trunk of her tree was CrossFit and God was off to the side. You got to reverse them. She said, Christ, Christ, I have Christ as my identity right here. Cross is off to the side. And if, it, if I'm killing it, great. But if I, hey, you know what? You ain't going to be first forever. Right? You get injured tomorrow. And if that's your whole identity, you come crashing down. When we keep these things in the right place, if we have success, we're not puffed up with pride. And if we fail, it doesn't destroy us utterly. Yo, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say let CrossFit be CrossFit. Let God be God. Let, let, let your spouse be your spouse. Let God be God. Let your kids be your kids. Let God be God. St. Augustine said, the thing that's wrong with my heart, your heart, our dirty little sinful hearts, is disordered loves. And if you go out of here and you try to guilt yourself into saying, okay, love my spouse less, uh, worry about control less, love this thing less, it's never going to work. It's not about loving CrossFit less. It's about loving Jesus more. That's the key. That's the key. And just like I'm doing, you always got to look within. You always got to look in the mirror and say, why is this upsetting me so much? Oh, because it's an idol. Why am I saying, oh, I'll finally have peace when that letter comes? Ah, it's not just I'm worried about my kid. I have to be in control. And if there's a problem, then nothing's okay. I was treating God as a means to an end to give me what my heart really wanted. And that was family health and that was control. Key one is remove our idols. Luke 8, 25b, it says, in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? <laughs> who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Rather, this is what I was doing. I was praying for there to not be a storm. You ever have an event, and you look at the weather way too much? You get like a wedding coming up, or like a retreat, or an event, and you check it, and it's 40%. What does that mean? 30%, 50%, you're like, what, what? Okay, that's what I'm doing. I'm praying for no storms. Rather than praying for there to be no storms, why don't we pray to God to learn to sleep in any storm? Because we know Jesus is with us. I love this scripture. Isaiah 43, 2, it says, when you pass through the waters, when? Somebody say, when? Some of us are new to faith. We're getting baptized. We're new to church. We got a community. And I'm reading the Bible now. I'm listening to Jesus music now. I can't believe it. I listen to Christian podcasts now. This is awesome. And you may not have said it, but deep down, you're like, you know what? God's going to make things finally be easy. You might not have said that, but maybe you thought it a little bit. Did, did, did it say, if you pass through the waters, when? When? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sleep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God never promised you wouldn't walk through the fire. God promised you'd never walk through the fire alone. That's his promise. That's what the disciples didn't understand. That's what I forget all the time. And, and even if you know this, I know this up here. I know it real good. I got a master's degree. I know it real good. Problem it doesn't sit, always sink into my heart. I don't know if today you're going to learn anything new. Maybe so. 
It's about repenting. It's about always looking in the mirror and saying, man, what have I let slipped into my life, slipped into my heart? I try to be a good dad, but sometimes I do dumb stuff. Any other dads do dumb stuff? Thank you. We could have some long chats about it. We'll be driving home. I'll be with the boys, and they'll see a skeleton in someone's yard, and they'll say, Daddy, tell me a spooky story. And I'll say, okay, don't tell your mother. Don't say that. Don't say that. I say, okay, but if it it gets scary, you'll tell me. They say, yeah, yeah. And I'll start telling them the story, and they'll get quiet. And I'll say, am I scaring you? No, no, no. The whole day will go by. Finally, at bedtime, they'll be laying there in the dark. They'll say, Daddy, I'm thinking about that story. That's fatherhood. Some of you are going to leave this place. You know what your idol is. You're going to leave it, and you're going to try to remove it. Try to get rid of it. Try to say, stop, stop caring about my kids. Stop caring about this. Stop, stop. It's not going to work. I always tell my kids, you cannot cancel your thoughts, but you can replace them. You cannot cancel your loves, but you can replace them. You, you can, she, she didn't say, oh, I never do CrossFit again. Now, God might call you to that, but I don't think it's what he was calling her to do. He was saying, reorder it. Augustine, just move, move it. It's still my life. And what I love the best is when she had Jesus at the center. Did you see what she said? The pressure was off. She actually did better. I'm going to be a better dad if my kids are not my idol. I'm going to be a better husband, better dad, better pastor. I'm going to do all these things, and these things are lined the right way. Friends, we've got to replace our thoughts. We've got to look where to focus. Psalm 89, 8, and 9. It says, who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You still them. Now, the disciples knew what was up. They had read this passage, and they understood something. Only God can still the sea. Friends, key two is this. Seeing him as he truly is allows us to sleep in any storm. This story harkens back to creation, and it shows us the gospel. The good news, the best news you'll ever hear in your life is this, that you are more sinful and flawed than you'd ever believe. But at the exact same time, you're more loved and accepted in Christ than you could ever dare hope. He's seen your heart all the way to the bottom, and he loves you all the way to the skies. It's the best news on the planet. That he had a right to, but he did not abandon us. He could have, he should have. We gave him every reason to. But he came. He took your sin on his shoulders. He died in your place as a substitute. And what you got to see about this passage, how Scripture, how the Bible opens, is God is in the darkness. He's above the waters. And what's he doing? He's bringing, he's bringing order out of chaos. He's creating there. Jesus Christ is back. He's here. What's he doing in the story? He's above the waters. What's he doing? He's recreating this fallen world. He's bringing hope. He's bringing joy. He's bringing new life. And only he can. Who is this? Who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? He's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the 
lamb, the perfect lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He comes to bring hope, joy, order out of chaos, death out of life. And he did that because he took our condition on the cross. He took death so we could have life. He was laid low so we could be lifted up. And today we celebrate new life. We celebrate a new creation. We celebrate passing from death to life. Our friends who are getting baptized, would you? I want to make you too uncomfortable, but you're about to come up here. Would you mind just standing to your feet real quick? I got two questions for you. Before we move forward, I just want to ask you two things. Number one, have you repented? Have you turned to him and received him as your Lord and Savior? And do you commit to live for him every day of your life? And it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, would you pray with me? Father God, for these folks today, here, if they're a little nervous, give them peace. If there's a storm going on, give it calm in the way only you can. May they know that you love them, that you got a plan for them. We celebrate today, God, you bring order out of chaos. You bring life out of things that are dead. I thank you, Jesus, that you saw us dead in our sins. And we know very well, God, that a dead thing cannot resuscitate itself. But in your mercy and your grace and love, you came. You took our place. May we be buried with you in baptism and raised to, be raised to new life. We love you. We praise you. We celebrate your goodness, your love, and your joy. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us that you're here, that you're with us that you can still any storm. And thank you for showing us where our trust should be. It's in you and you alone. Thank you for showing us that there is hope. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. Be sure to check out past messages that will be sure to encourage and challenge you. Let's partner together to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing truth of the gospel. Would you help others find this podcast by rating it and leaving a review? And if you're local, we would love to meet you. Check out our service times online. Thanks for subscribing, sharing with a friend, and we will see you soon.